Hey guys, and welcome back to Mind the Back Chat. Fourth time's the charm. Me and Gavs have spent hours developing this episode. The second time of recording was great. We absolutely loved it, but for some reason our audio played up and we actually have no idea why it caused that. But um, anyway, me and Gabs are back and today we're talking about something called femoral acetabular impingement, also known as FAI. Gabs, what's a femur and what's an acetabulum? So a femur is a part of your hip joint. It's the essentially the longest bone in your lower extremities. And at the head of it, it's a spherical structure that sits perfectly into this socket called the acetabulum. It's very round. It fits quite nicely. It's a bit like a lock and key. Ball and socket. Ball and socket. Opposite to what your shoulder is like, where essentially it's a tee ball and a golf ball. A tee ball? A tee A golf ball on a tee saucer. That's it. That's it. That's that's what we went for earlier. You see, we're just trying to get back what we said earlier because it's what it was. But anyway... And essentially, it compensates um, stability for range of motion, whereas the hip compensates range of motion for stability. And so what for more acetabular impingement is, is it's basically where either two structures, so you've got two types of uh, FAI, you've got a pincer, which is basically the acetabulum itself, so the socket the hip fits into, which is like a cup shape, and it kind of connects over the top of the head of the femur, allowing for circular movement and support. Whereas a cam is where you have a growth of the neck of the femur, basically attaching into the socket. And basically, if there's a growth of the head, thickening the head of the femur, it can cause rubbing and irritation. And basically, a pincer is the opposite. It's pretty much the same. You have a growth of bone that just causes the lip of that socket to be a bit further causing it to pinch and irritate that way yeah so and con- so totally structural indeed indeed not functional whatsoever no um and what's interesting is that with these kind of issues because of the changes in um no keep going oh. i'm just trying to sort out the window you talk because of the change i feel like i'm in an interrogation now Gabs. i'm not cutting this by the way this is staying in talk <laughs> because of the change of the structure, do your job because because of the change in structure of the, <laughs> he's got a gun to my head talk damn it um because of the change of the structure of the hip and the acetabulum, what tends to occur is rubbing. Now, what we tend to know is the rubbing between two bones causes more bone to occur. And it's a very common law created by a guy called Wolf. Very interesting because, you know, people are very egotistical and they like to put their names to different laws. So this is Wolf's law. And I'm waiting to find like my thing that I can go. That's a George. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a Gabs. That's a Gabs. I, I was... There was this um, stretch called, well, it was a a stretch that I thought I invented up until someone sent me a video going, hey, this guy, he's got a video of uh, your stretch. And I went, hmm. Yes, not mine. Uh, Not anymore. (laughs) So, fun thing about FAI, Mm -hmm. it can be asymptomatic. You can have it without even knowing. So it could cause some minor restrictions, but not enough restrictions cause any problems or pain. Mm-hmm. And so so much so, 60% of footballers have FAI. Oh. That's asymptomatic. So they don't know they have it. Yeah. And I suppose what are the three different criteria to actually diagnose an FAI? So I'm so, guessing one of them is 
a lack of range of motion. You know it is. We've discussed this in the in the other three episodes. A lack episodes. of range of motion. <laughs> what, what well, no, it's, it's it's um, clinical signs. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. interesting. Symptoms. Oh. Uh, so you've got your signs and symptoms, and then you've also got a scan with results. So basically, it's X-ray. called a triad. You need the triad. So you can't diagnose um, an FAI legitimately unless you have a scan mm-hmm. um and because you need the scan because what they're looking for is something called the alpha angle which is basically where they'll take the scan from an anterior posterior view draw a line straight through the neck of the femur in towards the hip joint right in the center and then they'll draw another line going out from the center of the hip joint going to where the impingement is occurring the top of the impingement that is occurring or the growth bony growth either a cam or pincer and if that alpha angle is above 60 degrees then it's a positive okay and um, what about the beta angle you're a beta. You're you're a beta. I'm a sigma. Oh god. <laughs> uh, okay. So um, what's quite interesting is that it's not the only body part where this occurs. So very much like Wolf's law, it tends to occur in other joints as well. Very what, common what, is FAI. Not not necessarily <laughs> FAI, but where bone on bone pressure causes more bone to occur. Okay. Or so we're going back to that. Not necessarily. <laughs> For the knee, however, Mm. you've got the quads that get quite tight. And because the quads attach to a part of your tibia called the tibial Mm. tuberosity, then what happens is the periosteal sheath gets the pressure and that constant tugging onto the bone itself causes more bone to grow, resulting in a dysfunction called Osgoschlatters, which tends to look as though you've got two knees. Um, I was a great footballer. I just use my knees a bit more often than my feet. Oh, cocky. Uh, <laughs> I was great. I, I could have been I messy. I two knees. I could have been messy. Um, yeah, but basically, yeah, you can either be born with FAI or you can develop it at a later date. That's a key thing to remember. So that's why you see it a lot more in young people who play football, rugby, or do horse riding because they're taking their joints, those end range of movement where the tips of the uh, acetabulum meet the head of the femur causing that bone on bone interaction causing irritation most a lot of cams can actually be quite dangerous in some cases so the one where it's the growth on the neck of the femur is because it can cause delamination of the joint reducing pressure and increasing chances of degeneration pain and osteoporosis that's it yeah uh not osteoporosis that's it and then what tends to occur Uh, is that's when you're more predisposed to needing hip replacements so mm. realistically as soon as you've got an fai or some sort of indication towards an fai please get it checked get it scanned get it treated if possible yeah so like what are the symptoms people should look out for where it's a groin pain if they hold their hand around their hip from the groin round to the side in like a C cup shape with your fingers. If it goes into flexion, you feel discomfort with that movement as if, as if it's going to clunk, but it never clunks. That's a very important sign. If you find that sitting is uncomfortable, that's another good important thing to look out for as well. And you might have limited range of movement in flexion, adduction, external rotation, internal rotation, and abduction. So actually pretty much all ranges of movement. Mm. And quite interestingly enough, um, you know, we were discussing it in our previous takes of FAI. And I think we should mention it. Is that that episode was so good and it's hard to live up to that and recreate. It's like, what was it? The movie Tenacious D with, with Jack Black and the other mm, guy where they sing mm. the song. And it's like, this is a tribute to the greatest song in the world. Yeah. It's like, 
it's obviously not the song, it's but it's a tribute. So this is like a tribute here. Yeah, where we spoke about the idea behind a structural or functional FAI. And my, I wouldn't call it argument, but my sort of point behind it was sometimes what you tend to find is between the hip flexor, between the quads and between um, the hamstrings, you have a debalancing of pressure that is being uh, created within the hip socket that causes a uh, instability whereby instead of having the hip nicely flush with the femoral head, what you tend to occur is it starts to push towards a specific area and you tend to have the same instances that you would with an FAI. Oh, did you? Did you say that now? Hmm? Was that what we said? Rebuttal, come on. <laughs> no, because we had a really good discussion about it. Yeah, yeah. Because you were saying that you can have a functional FAI and mm -hmm. not a structural FAI, yeah. to which I completely disagreed. Mm -hmm. Because where you were saying that you have... Because I asked, if you were to have a scan of your hip, what would it look like? You said it looked perfectly normal. But then actually but, that was more of an assumption no, rather than actually yeah. doing but, the but research. This, but, this is where I, but this is where we were coming from. So you could yeah. say I could have a perfectly functional hip, yeah. but have a limit in internal rotation due to muscular elements. Mm -hmm. That means I have FAI. It was actually like, hang on a second, you don't have FAI. You have a factor, a tight muscle that is causing a reduced range of movement, which could cause compensations to occur in which weight is distributed differently onto different parts of the joint of the bony aspect which, as we know through Wolf's Law, can lay down bone in different areas, causing mm. thickening, which could lead to an FAI, but not necessarily an FAI. Yeah, and what we're also sort of discussing is the idea that even that can actually cause the same sort of symptoms of the cam sorry the, the pain of the pinching feeling within mm. the hip itself exactly and it can mask itself quite nicely as one yeah uh but obviously it's more readily treatable yeah um and we were sort of indicating the idea that actually if you were to sort of have that as a diagnosis it's a perfect working diagnosis which you agreed with yeah because nicely. like obviously we haven't got x-ray vision you can't see in the joint but if you were to do tests such as like a faber and it was relieving and you did a fadir and it's aggravating and you did a Tom thompson test and it's positive and then you did other tests as well thomas. thomas test well actually i think thomas test is just for the calf squeeze and then you got a thompson test to pull up and check the psoas but yeah um i know the thomas test is the one on the calf for sure checking for an achilles rupture um, but basically I've lost track of thought now. Thanks Gabs. By having those, <laughs> by having those specific tests, yeah. you can have an indication of, yes, you've got a positive indication of an FAI, but because without the full triad actually being perfectly aligned and all being positive without a scan, yeah. you can't specifically give the diagnosis That's of it. an FAI. But what you can do is at least give a patient reassurance that there is some sort of indication yeah. and some sort of line of treatment towards and, relief. And a working diagnosis works in a way of which you always have one or two. You have the main one, then you have a potential follow-up just in case almost. Cause it's like, oh, you've got some mixture of symptoms here that are quite similar, but not quite the same. So yeah, FAI is incredibly common actually from, it is a Thomas test, damn it. So it's... <laughs> So, the, so you're telling me yeah. there's a guy, Thomas, who named two tests after the same thing. It's really annoying because in the, in the second episode, I literally just said Thomas and left it there. 
Didn't even come back to... Oh. And now you've come back to it and it's come to haunt you. Yeah. Anyway. Thomas test. Most FAIs occur in women who are age 35 plus. Um, and people may think like, so after hearing the symptoms of an FAI, how do you differentiate that from other things such as osteoarthritis? or a label tear and simply for like a label tear is yes you might have a few tests come back positive as well but you'd expect some locking or giving way in the joint and it also normally comes on through some some form of trauma mm. um, whereas osteoporosis as we know it's a gradual cut, uh, onset oh, it comes on over years uh, worse for if you're very active when you're younger um, and also you just kind of get that deep groin pain uh, usually worse in the morning with stiffening up, ease up for a little bit of movement, too much movement though causes pain. Whereas if we're looking at FAI, if, again, if you're sitting in a seated position, you'll bring your hip up into flexion, take it into internal rotation, flexion and adduction, you'll like to cause pain. Mm -hmm. And that's why one of the best tests for it is a FADIR test, mm -hmm. a flexion, adduction, internal rotation. If you take the hip up into that position, you usually find they're going to feel like it's going to clunk, but never does, or it causes pain. But then if you take it into a faber, so taking it into that flexion, but abducting and externally rotating the hip, all of a sudden their pain goes away. The pelvis starts to disengage because it's not having to compensate anymore. And they're in a lot more comfy, in a much more comfier position. What I will also add to that is the differentiating factor between all of those different pathologies is uh, consistency of tests. So I'd say, for example, with a labral tear, more often than not, it might come on positive for the first time. Mm. You try and again, it might be positive. Yeah. It might not be positive. 100%. Whereas with an FAI, it's going to be positive every single time because there's a structural deformity. Issue. Yeah, and you you can. It's a fifty-fifty when it comes to an FAI with regards to do I get surgery done on it or do I do treat it conservatively. Um, if you go from a more surgical point of view, the outcome can be okay, but it's, you should only really be doing surgery as a last resort with it. If you've... What? what are you this about? is my last resort. <laughs> Sorry. Defecation. We're, yeah. we're not here to get copyright claimed. Come on. Um, you started it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like operations will really be your last resort. Like if you can't fix it yourself, you know, have the, to get, fix it. Well... Get the operation is what I'm saying. Yeah, get someone else to fix it. Yeah, exactly. But then you could get someone else to fix it by giving you rehab plans. Oh. So like conservatively, what you would try and do is try and adjust certain daily data positions that they go into or workout positions that they do or strengthen certain muscles, take the hip out of that kind of internal rotation, flexion and adduction position. So maybe slightly altering their foot stance when they do a squat or getting them to do pelvic tilts to take pressure off the hip, that kind of stuff. Obviously, if that doesn't work, then maybe surgery is the way to go forward if they are in quite a lot of pain. Um, but again, with surgery, there's always a risk-reward. Um, but yeah, but if you have a cam, cams are quite tricky sometimes because, again, where they're on the neck of the femur and they're butting up against the joint surface of the acetabulum, they can, in some cases, cause delamination of the joint, which encourages degenerative changes to occur, equaling pain. Yeah. Right. I think um, we've pretty much covered everything that we've covered about three times now. Uh, more so, yeah. And we, we've gone through we've gone through this a lot, a lot. And at least in this episode, we have the uh, 
telling each other off about shutting the window <laughs> and uh, <laughs> holding you at gunpoint. You know, it's these little fun things that give the... Uh, the uh, mind the back chat. The mind the back chat. It's real essence. And also, because now we had the long discussion in the last episode, which I'm sad we lost, to be honest, yeah. and we've kind of had to recap it, again, giving it a tribute. Yeah. This episode's slightly shorter than the last one. I think the last episode was about 21 minutes. Mm-hmm. I think this one's probably going to be about 16, 17. Pretty much. But, but that's okay because it's just a little snippet, a little short bite. But the reason why I want to go into FAI is because I've done some CPD on it recently because I feel like it's something that can easily be forgotten once you're out of uni, and especially if you don't see hips a lot. But since I've done it, the amount of suspected FAIs or impingements in the hip I've been seeing is a lot um and the main people i've been seeing is yes women over the age of 35 who have had a very sporty background or have done a lot of horse riding and um it really kind of helps change your kind of approach to it because a lot of people with hips go like it's restricted we've got to get through the movement we've got to encourage movement but if you're putting the hip into flexion and then circumducting it with its whole range of movement mm-hmm. you're going to probably cause just the same amount of pain and not cause too much so it's always a good thing to have in the back of your head when it comes to hips and try and debunk that one first because mm-hmm. then you're looking for a structural reason yeah. to decompress. Indeed, indeed. Whoa. Whoa. Right. <laughs> have a great day, everyone. Yeah. And ciao for now. Ciao for now. <laughs>